Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Pace a shot on goal on that last power play. Strom a nice play on the boards to move it up to Kerr McDavid. Left wing now at even strength. Quick shot score! McDavid twisted up Hayden Flurry, and when he got his chance, he put it upstairs. Spectacular goal by Connor McDavid to put the game away. He scored two 92 seconds apart in the third period. Laurent Brassois, excellent in goal for the Oilers. A 30-save shutout. 4-0 over Carolina is the final. The game played at SaskTel Center in Saskatoon. The Oilers are now 6-1 in the preseason. They'll close it out. Saturday in Vancouver. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in. It is 9.48 overtime open line courtesy Canadian Brew House from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. My name is Reed Wilkins, former NHLer, mostly with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Rob Brown is with me. You are invited to join us as well. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. All right, great goals by McDavid. We'll talk about those, Rob, and maybe a chance he could have had it a third one but you got to hand it to Laurent Brassois tonight they're going to need him this season he makes a 30 save shutout and especially huge in the second period when the Oilers were outshot 13-4. Yeah and Bob and Jack talked about it right at the top of the game they said that Laurent looks uh, settled he looks more comfortable tonight than he had in the previous two exhibition games and he needed to be good. The the Hurricanes came out, they had a good first period and an even better second period where the Oilers were chasing a bit and Bersois made the big saves. There was no there was no rebounds. He he was square to the shooter. You never looked, thought at any point, you know, ooh, that one might get by him. So it was a good night for Laurent. He needed that. And now he, he's got the confidence of the coaching staff that when Cam needs a break during the regular season, they feel they got a guy they can put in and give them the win. So you want your goalie to give you an opportunity to win a hockey game, and Bersois did that tonight for sure. We'll keep talking about the hockey game. We should let people know some uh, breaking news from the real world, though he kind of created a fantasy world. Hugh Hefner has passed away at the age of 91, and I've already seen several tweets of the night from people saying, I hope someone erects a statue of Hugh Hefner, and we'll leave it at that. Uh... Connor McDavid, uh, first of all, the uh, the shorthanded breakaway, he finishes a, a, a strong little bit of uh, penalty killing there. Well, and that's the one luxury that Todd McClellan has with a Connor McDavid on his team. When you are in a close game or if you're, if you're down and you're killing a penalty, you have a guy that you can put on the ice that can change the complexion of the game in one shift. 
He's got so much speed. Most players on the power play, obviously offensive players, uh, not known for, sometimes they're not known for their defensive strengths. And if you have Connor McDavid out there forcing, some guys there's a panic. And if he gets that one, well, actually doesn't even need a step. He could, you could have a two, three foot head start on you. He's going to beat you for a puck battle. So when you're penalty killing, you got McDavid out there with you. You're putting area passes. You're not trying to ice the puck as much. You're putting it into an area and let Connor McDavid get into a foot race with someone, and he's going to win every foot race. And then tonight he just outweighed Cam Ward. Really nice goal. Nice play, though, by Kajula, getting it into the right area. He was the one that won the battle at the blue line, got the puck out, and then got it over to Connor for the breakaway goal. And then 92 seconds later, the highlight we played off the top of the show. I mean, almost everything about that play. You know, the way he got the shot off, the final execution of the shot, just brilliant. It, it was, and if when Connor McDavid's coming on full speed, most D-men are in fear because he's he, he just going to fly by you. But Connor McDavid, that whole play started with him standing at the far blue line, dead still. Puck comes to a stick, he takes a look, he says, oh, I got some time. Then he attacks the defenseman, Flurry. And he knew he had no back pressure, so he could do whatever he wanted. He stopped, went back the other way, stopped again, and then used Fleury as a, as a screen as he put the puck on net. Fleury has absolutely no chance. You're talking the best player in the world, probably the best one-on-one player in the world right now, and you're out there on an island by yourself. Connor McDavid made him look silly, puts the puck in the net, and all of a sudden at the end of the night, all right, another three points for Connor McDavid. He was very good tonight when the Oilers needed him. All right, 3.53 to go. He splits the defense, gets hauled down by, it looked like, both Carolina defenders. <laughs> Rob, Rob wanted a penalty shot so bad, I, especially given the circumstance. I, I don't understand. It's Here's Connor McDavid, so he's the MVP of the league, the league's leading scorer. You're playing in a neutral site game trying to attract more fans to, to, the, to the game of hockey. He's in a game that they are up 4 nothing. The game is over, and he's got a chance on a penalty shot to score a hat trick. I mean, this is everything came together. And then add the fact that it should have been a penalty shot. I mean, he split the D. He had a stride and a half on both defensemen. And he, he's walking. I have no idea why that wasn't a penalty shot. That's one of those ones that's very easy. The referees are, hey, let's watch. This is going to be exciting. But on that whole play, too, don't forget about the play Yamamoto made. Uh, he's the one that, uh, back checking, gets the puck in the neutral zone, and quickly turns it up and gets it to McDavid, springs him for the breakaway. So good play by Yamamoto, bad play by the referee. All right, so Yamamoto... Didn't score tonight. That's actually news. <laughs> First how time. He's been in the preseason. Puvio Yarvi, uh, I thought, played decent. You had Strom move to center. Pacarinen and Cassian were the other two right wingers. I mean, we know where, where Cassian's uh, going to slot in. It, it, it's an interesting dis- discussion here, especially with Slepeshev hurt. Yamamoto can obviously play up to nine games before the first year of his entry-level contract kicks in, and then, and then you wind up burning that. So, again, as we emphasize, it's a, it's a tough yet good decision to have because you're choosing uh, possibly a player who's playing well as opposed to picking the best of a of a bad bunch. But, uh, you know, one preseason game left. I, I, I don't think the Oilers are all of a sudden going to announce a decision in the next couple hours or tomorrow morning. No, they're not. If, if, if I'm starting the lineup right now for, for for next Wednesday against the Calgary Flames. I've got Yamamoto playing with McDavid. i got Pulley Yarvi playing with Dreisaitl. I've got Strom playing with Nugent Hopkins, and i got Cassian as your fourth-line right winger with Letestu. That's the way I would have it. I, I think that 
Yamamoto has deserved the opportunity to start the season. Pugliarvi has gotten better, and I think he's looked better playing with Settle. Now, having said that, Settle can make just about anybody look good playing with him. I think Strom has looked more comfortable mm-hmm. in a less pressured situation playing with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And obviously Cassian is a, a very, very strong fourth-line right winger. So that's the way I would start the season unless something miraculous or something, you know, changes in the next game. But with Slepeshev being out, that makes it a lot easier. Now that all of a sudden a Kajula finds himself on the outside looking in on the right side if that's the case. 4 nothing, the Oilers win over Carolina. To, just to, a little bit more here on Yamamoto. And he was born September 29th, 1998. If he had been born on the 15th, so two weeks earlier, he would have been eligible for the 2016 draft, right? So he's almost as old as you can be for for the draft that he was in, right? Without having so the, the as we were talking about on the on the faceoff show, it's about four months, four and a half months difference between him and Pooh Yarvi. Um, you know, Yamamoto's played in junior. His size is always going to be brought up. I mean, mm-hmm. he's going to be 32 years old in the NHL, and people are going to bring up. He's not going to be not, any taller next grow. year. He's not going to no. be six foot two. Sure, he's going to add add some weight and and all that kind of stuff as he as he gets a little older. So that's that's one of those things. If if he had been, if, if if Yamamoto had been born two weeks earlier and was drafted in 2016 and was having this type of camp, I think people would be saying, no doubt, he's on the team. You're right. And then when you start looking at the fact that it's only four and a half months difference between the two guys, you're like, whoa, okay, that changes the way I'm looking at it now because Yamamoto doesn't really need to go back to junior at that point. I, to me, it's they're, gonna, they're both going to play, I would imagine, on Saturday against the Vancouver Canucks. And then with Slepeshev hurt, and pro- well, even if he's healthy enough, they're not going to start him in the first regular season game anyway, simply because. Yeah, he, I don't think he's going to be. No, he's not going to be in he's, a week. He's, yeah, he's not. He's not going to have the the rehab and, and get the games in that that he needs. They're not going to throw him into the first game. So you've got an opportunity. And then let's see what he does in regular season games. It's it's going to be a, a huge game against the Calgary Flames. Not only is it the first game of the season, but it's Battle of Alberta. Calgary is, I believe, are going to be a pretty good team this year with a very good defense. So let's see what Yamamoto and Puliyarvi do against a good defensive hockey club. See how they can compete at this level. And then give them a couple games, and then you can decide. 4 nothing is the final. We're watching on online tonight. You know, look, we're the first to admit you see more when we watch the home games at Rogers Place because you can get more of a sense of the play and the spacing on the ice. But, but again, watching Yamamoto, I was impressed with his movement. He's he's a busy player, but I mean that in a good way. Like he's not just doing busy works. Like he's he's trying to create. He's always trying to make his stick available. He it, it, we talked about him going to the net, but he doesn't just go to the net and stop. He'll adjust. He'll angle his body. He'll try to almost worm his way into an open area. So he's he's a, a joy to watch because I think he does a lot of things that people admire. And I always make fun of the phrase "playing the right way" because I think it gets overused sometimes. But he, but he, he makes smart decisions. He doesn't give up on plays, and as as you know, Rob, 
you have to be engaged in puck battles, but but hockey's a game where you're still going to lose almost half the puck battles, even if you're a really good player. But he disrupts, he knocks a stick, he he swipes the puck. So maybe maybe it's not a steal, but you disrupt the breakout, you dis you delay the breakout, you turn a pass into a dump out, and then your team gets the puck back anyway. So I like those little things that he does. Well, he's tenacious. He's tenacious on the puck at all times. He he knows the right areas to go to, and to me. He's got his hockey IQ is with a McDavid, with a dry sidle. He's smart. He reads the plays the same way. A great example was on the play that Connor McDavid got hauled down on the breakaway. He, as soon as he, he had to put his arm up and grab the puck, as soon as he put the puck down, he immediately spun and knew where McDavid should be and put the puck right there and McDavid skated into it. A lot of guys would have taken that second to stop, grab the puck, and then turn and look. And at that point, everything would have closed off. So when you're playing with elite players, you've got to make split-second decisions because things close off quickly. He's capable of making those decisions. Now, again, it's going to be harder once you get to the regular season, but the only way you're going to see if he's capable of doing it in the regular season is by giving him the opportunity to play at that in the first couple of games, and then you can judge where he should play this year. 4 nothing, the Oilers win in Saskatoon. Brassois, the shutout against Carolina. Oilers' special teams were good. They killed off every man disadvantage, plus McDavid scored a shorthanded goal. Lucic had a power play goal in the first. So two for McDavid. Lucic on the power play, and Cassian scored very early in the game, just a minute 49 in. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Okay, this texture says, Hello, Rob. Do you think Connor will be playing in the final preseason game in Vancouver? Why would the Oilers run the risk of playing him in a game that will mean nothing to the team in the standings? I wouldn't play him. That's a text to 630-630. Um, I, I do believe he probably will play, and the reason they'll play him is they want to get the, the chemistry on their power play. They want to get, you know, the entire line in sync, especially if he's going to have a probably a new different right winger to start the season than he would have had last year to start the year. I mean, Jordan Everly was the guy that was started the year with him. So do give him another shot with Yamamoto. Now, I understand the injury thing. I do. But the one thing I've noticed with hockey as opposed to any other sport, they don't think about injuries. They don't. It's like the end of the season. You don't. You rarely see hockey player, hockey teams sit guys out going into the playoffs. Whereas in football, an entire football team, they play the whole their scrubs for a game because it means nothing. Uh, they'll. You'll ask that question to Todd McClellan. He says, "Well, we're not going to think about injury. You could get injured walking across the street. You could get hit by a bus." So I understand the concern, but I would be. I would expect that Connor would play, and I would expect that Connor would want to play. That's the biggest thing. When In exhibition, players don't want to sit out exhibition games. They would rather play. Playing is more fun than practicing. And the guys that don't play, they go get bag skated, and you'd rather that's play right. the hockey you game. You yep. the bike. And yeah, all so it's stuff. way more fun playing the game. And if most of these veterans would prefer to play every game if they could. So I, I would expect them to play, but it's not written in stone. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a fair question, and, and we get asked that every, every year. Well, why would you play them in the pre? season why would you play him this many games and when he got hurt against Philadelphia the question was why why does he kill penalties well he kills penalties because he gets shorthanded breakaways mm-hmm. like he like he did tonight I mean you can't there's only totally fair question yep. we, we, but now again we don't know what the lineup is going to be for Saturday maybe they may will, maybe maybe they will but and you also you, you, in, that, in that situation too you look at who you're playing against if you were playing against a 
a team that you have a, a history. If it's the Anaheim Ducks, well, maybe, you know what? There's a bit of a history there. Maybe you don't want to. But the Vancouver Canucks are, are not a, a big physical team. They're a, a more of a skilled team. You, 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 the, the fear factor of him going in and someone chopping him down and injuring him is less. All right, Ryan and Tabor texting in as well. Oilers win 4 nothing over Carolina. Hey, guys, can't wait for the opener next week. Do you think a V2 is a better option than Brandon Davidson would have been as that seventh defenseman? I haven't see, seen the guy this preseason and don't know his history. That's from Ryan and Tabor. Uh, to me, a V2 has not stood out. Um, would he be a better option than Davidson? I mean, I don't know. I think they'd be in the same mix. He, Davidson, Fane... Dylan Simpson hung around for a while. Well, I, I would think yeah, that's. I, I would think Davidson is he's a better option than Fane and Simpson. I think Davidson. Oh, I was just yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Another guy. Uh, yeah, Davidson. I I would give the nod to right now simply because we know more about Davidson. We've seen him a lot more. A V two. He's only played twenty seven games in the NHL too. And, yeah, and I haven't different path. And we didn't see a whole lot of him in the exhibition. Like like watching him here tonight, it was really hard, honestly, watching. Because you're getting a, a a feed out of a Saskatoon, it wasn't as great as if you're watching a guy live. So I I can't give him a, a real assessment of what I saw tonight. He, he he skates well, he moves well, he's not a physical player. Whereas Davidson gave you a little bit of edge, so you're losing that in, in a Davidson. So I I don't know. I I think he's seventh at best, and he I don't I think there's a big difference between Griva. Grybin Oviedo. I, I don't think he's close to unseating him for the sixth defenseman. All right, we have Rocket on the phone line. Hey, Rocket, thanks for calling. Hey, guys, how you doing? Doing well. Uh, did, uh, was, was Davidson injured? Because my recollection of him is I didn't mind him as a defenseman at all. Uh, he ha- Yeah, last year he got injured in the home opener, right? That was the slew foot from Kachuk. And then he missed quite a bit of time. And then when he traded, when he was traded, he was healthy. He was the one. He had the great end of the year the year before, and that's why yeah. he. he uh, okay, over, yeah, everyone was so I'm excited thinking. about him because of how well he yeah. played at the end of the year when he was brought in because of injury. He's he's a depth player. Uh, he had a great story. I mean, Bob made the point once, though. Nobody outside of Edmonton cares about Brandon Davidson's story, which was probably true. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's a depth defender. I'm not I'm not even sure how he's doing in Montreal. To be honest with you, I, I think when he looked good, he stood out on a bad team. Yes. He was pushed down last year with better defensemen and, and healthy defense. I, I again, I think if he were here, he's competing for seven eight. He's saying maybe he he would be competing with Avitu. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Um, one more thing. I I was um, <clears throat> with the Slepeshev injury. Now, who 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 do you, who is in the mix here for actually making this team? Do you think is it is it is it Yamamoto? Is it Pugliarvi? Are they both going to get get looks? I know you touched on a little bit, but uh, do you think he will get sent down for like a condi- conditioning stint in the AHL and then get brought back up? You know when he's ready because he's hey he hasn't played any games. It, it would like where 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 does that right side look? Well, it, to, to me, they've got probably six six wingers, six right wingers that could play there. They've got Yamamoto, Pugliarvi. Cassian, Strom, and then you got Slepeshev and Kajula. Those are your six. And Pakarinen. And Pakarinen, yeah, and Pakarinen, but I don't think he's really in the mix as a, as a, in, the, in the four lines. Oh, sorry, not for, yeah, yeah top. For the, yeah, so, yeah, so those are your six guys that are battling for spots. Now, it would benefit the Oilers 
and Yamamoto and Puliyarvi if Slepyshev was either A, placed on IR to start the season, or sent down on a two-week conditioning stint, which I think would be the best thing for him because he's missed most of training camp, and an ankle injury hasn't allowed him to do a lot of the stuff that he wants to do on the ice. And that two weeks will also give you an opportunity to see where you are with your two young right-wingers. I myself believe that Puliyarvi and Yamamoto will probably start the season here, and the Slepyshev injury helps that. 7804960063. It's 10:07. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll get to Connor McDavid. We'll get to Laurent Brassois post-game reaction. They're the two stars tonight as the Oilers uh two well, two of the three, you know what I'm saying. They were two of the best players of the game as the Oilers went four nothing over Carolina. It's Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. Laurent Brassois, 30-save shutout. Oilers beat the Hurricanes 4-0 in Saskatoon. Connor McDavid scores two beauties in the third period. Here he is. Connor, in terms of structure, process, all that, how much better of a game for you guys was that as opposed to what we saw on Monday? Way, way better. Uh, after level was there, guys were battling. Uh, you know, right from the start, the start. So uh, we can definitely feel better about that. How about the team as a whole as you close out this preseason? How do you feel you guys are coming along? Yeah, I mean, we still got a lot of ways to go. Uh, you know, ways to be sharper, ways to be harder. Um, you know, we'll be, uh, we'll have a good uh, couple days of practice here and get ready to go for Van and uh, you know, kind of the last dress rehearsal. And uh, you know, you'll see that I think that'll be a pretty close to an NHL game. So. Leon, uh, there was always, you know, whenever a guy signs a new contract, there's the, the eyes are on him. Through training camp so far, he's been looked like even better than last year. Is he on a bit of a mission, or is that his natural evolution? He always looks good, honestly. Uh, you know, he's a big guy, moves so well, so smart. Um, I can't say enough good things about him. So, uh, you know, he's looked great so far. And, uh, you know, he's going to hit a peak here heading into the season. Uh, this isn't even your home rink, and you're still getting ovations from everybody. Do you ever get tired of something like that? Oh, it's special. Um, you know, it's always nice to see the, the love for the Oilers. Um, you know, anywhere we go in Canada, I mean, it's uh, the fans are so passionate uh, wherever across Canada, and it's uh, it's special to see the Oilers, uh, Oilers fans here tonight. Structurally, yeah, you guys played great. You got a shutout out of it all. But thank goodness you scored a couple of goals in the third period. Bring, brought the entertainment level of this game back up a little bit. So thank you for that, I guess. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> that's what a coach likes. I mean, coaches like those structured games. And, you know, they aren't necessarily the fans' dream. But, um, you know, I think both coaches can feel pretty good about the way both their teams played structurally and, and defensively. And um, yeah. you got to be happy with your, with your penalty kill then tonight. You're yeah, you know, it was, for yeah, it was definitely uh, an area that, you know, we struggled with last game, but I think we gave up, a, you know, two or th- two goals for sure on the five on three, which I mean, those are hard to kill. Um, you know, we did a good job tonight on it. Uh, overall, the kill was good. We had some chances on the on the on the kill and, and even scored one, which is good. Um, so, you know, still areas to tighten up, though. You think that was a penalty shot in the third period? Then? Uh, you know what the refs going to call? What they're going to call? Um, you know, I thought. Uh, yeah, I thought I was home free, and, and uh, you know I still got a shot off. I, I know that's the rule: is, is if you get a shot off, I mean it's not a penalty shot. But uh, ultimately, I think a, a still a good scoring chance was taken away. And um, you know, like I said, the refs gonna call it how they see it, and he didn't uh, he didn't feel that way. Well, that's a good point. The exact rule is that if you get a shot away, it's not supposed to be a penalty shot. But 
anyway, Oilers win four nothing. That's Connor McDavid. Kind of a silly rule because what if you got tripped? So if someone dives, you trip, you're laying on the ice, and while you're laying on the ice, you just kind of push the Barely puck on net. Poke the puck, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a fair point for sure. Oilers win it four nothing. Brassois gets a shutout. He's Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. On the Advantage Trailer Rentals scoreboard tonight, the Penguins beat the Sabres 5-4, Devils over the Capitals 4-1, the Canadians lose to the Leafs 4-2, Habs are 0-6 in the preseason, the Jets knock off the Senators 5-3, the Oilers will be in Vancouver Saturday. We'll have it for you 6.30 for the face-off show, 8 o'clock for the drop of the puck. Eskimos and Bombers will be on Kissin' Country 103.9, 6.30 for the countdown to kickoff game at 7.30. Rob will have the Oilers uh, on the TV. We'll have the Eskimos on the laptop. That'll be a fun one for us. Order a couple pizzas, get some nachos in here. I mean, let's make it a party. (laughs) Can't have anything else because we are working. For two guys who don't eat that much. Ah, well, we'll invite some Kel- friends over. Kel- we'll, hey, we'll invite a bunch of our listeners, or callers, or texters. We'll have them all come on over. Have a big party. It's a huge. This is what is it? Palatial? Is that the word we were the, using? Six. The palatial six thirty Chad Broadcasting Compound. That's right. We can have, we can have like ten to eight people in here right now. <laughs> invite all our friends. We have Mo at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Hello, Mo. Hello. Go ahead. Is that me? That's you, buddy. Oh, okay. Reed, Rob, long-time listener and uh, first-time caller. Oh, great. All the, way from, all the way from Winnipeg. Oh, good stuff. Thanks for tuning yeah. in and thanks for calling. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Oilers fan over here, but uh, in, in Winnipeg, sometimes I can't really do the Oilers games sometimes. Um, I'm just wondering what you guys what you guys uh, thought of um, Drake Kajula's game um, tonight. Uh, I mean, again, I, it's much easier to see this when we're watching it live. It was t- a little tougher watching it on the computer, but I thought there were po- points of the game where he, he he struggled with the puck on his stick. He made the really nice play on the, the shorthanded goal by McDavid. He, he won the battle at his own blue line and then eventually pushed the puck in for McDavid to have the breakaway. I like Kajula as a player. I think that he has had a, a, an okay preseason but I, I, to me, he's going to be a big part of this Oilers team going forward. I, I think he showed enough last year that uh, you can put him and feel comfortable with him in your top six and not feel like you're losing much out. So I think Kajula has been okay in the preseason, but I think he, he can and will be better once the regular season starts. Got to find his way to get his shot off because yep. he does yeah, have a good yeah, shot. Yeah. Uh, what do you what do you guys think of uh, Paul Yarvi and, and do you think it's beneficial for him to maybe go down to the AHL for a little while? Um, I, I think that he will probably start the regular season here and then they'll give him a couple of games with Slepeshev being hurt and then decide if it's uh, a good fit for him to start here for it's a, or if he should go down the lines. I, I, I think they're surprised at how well Yamamoto has played. And I think he is the player that would push Puliyarvi down to the minors if that happens. Oilers win it four nothing. Mo, thanks for calling in from Winnipeg. We really appreciate it. Hope to hear from you again. Steven says on the text line, "Who makes the final call on Yamamoto, Peter or Todd?" Well, I think Shirelli would make the final final call, but I think it would be in it would in, be a meeting collaboration, yes. and there'd be a lot of talk about it. I, I think the general manager ultimately would make the call like that if you're going to actually 
send a guy back to his uh, junior team. Todd picks the daily lineup, obviously. And, and Todd will say who he wants in the lineup, and Peter will say, well, okay, you can really want that guy, but he's not going to be here anymore. Or, yeah, well, I agree with you. So they are in collaboration, and they and they talk, and they they talk daily on what they, what they oh, like, absolutely. what they don't like, what they need, what they don't need. And eventually, I mean, the GM is the GM for a reason. He makes the big calls. This uh, Aaron says, hey, guys, what's your take on Malone and Kelly so far? Would you take a chance on them for depth in case of injury? You know, I'm glad somebody brought those two guys up because that's another storyline. Not, you know, top-line headliner guys, high draft picks. Kelly's on a PTO. Malone is on a two-year, two-way contract, so you can you can send him down. Um, you know, I, I think... Brad Malone hasn't done anything at all to hurt himself in terms of who the Oilers thought he was, but I don't think the Oilers see him as a full-time NHLer. Kelly, if you're going to sign him, you're going to sign him to be here. Um, Is there a spot for him? That's the question. Uh, I don't think there is right now. I I don't. And I I think Kelly has played well. I think he's done exactly what you've seen from him over the last number of years. The offensive part of his game is no longer there. I mean, he's he's nearing the end of his career, but he's a very dependable player. You could put him out there to penalty kill. You can feel comfortable in the face-off dot. Uh, he's been a very, very good checking line player throughout his career, so you feel very confident when he plays against the other team's best players. But with Yamamoto playing as well as he has, you're like, oh, where, where are we going to put Kelly? Because you're only gonna, you're going to have 14 forwards here. So do you sign him? And then if you sign him, well, I think that actually forces you to move Yamamoto and or PRV right there. Malone, on the other hand, he is. He said he came here, he knew what the lineup was like. Yep. He knew he was not going to crack the opening day roster. His entire goal was to move up in the pecking order so that eventually when injuries or uh, lackluster play amongst players on the National Hockey League team caused the Oilers to look into the minor system to bring someone up, he wants to be higher up than he probably was slated. And I do believe he's moved higher up. I think he he, he brings uh, grit. He brings a little bit of offensive ability that if you put him on the fourth line, uh, uh, he can still generate. Mm -hmm. And as Todd McClellan said, they they got exactly what they were expecting from him, and that's a good thing. Oilers win at 4-0 over the Carolina Hurricanes tonight. They were outshot 30-22, most of that resulting from the second period when Carolina dominated. The shots were 13-4. Laurent Brassois, several good saves. He stopped Sebastian Ajo on a breakaway. Nice stop on that, too, by uh, that deflection in tight by Zekoff. He made a really good save, so he definitely did his job tonight. He helped the Oilers kill a two-man disadvantage for about 45 seconds later in the period, and uh, then the Oilers got a shorthanded goal from McDavid in the third, then another beauty 92 seconds later to put it away. All right, Brassois, very good. Let's go back to Sastel Center and hear from the goalie. Laurent, of all the games you played this preseason, uh, up top it looked pretty good. How did you feel out there in terms of your performance? I felt really good, um, uh, and I've been feeling pretty good as of late, uh, on and off the ice, uh, in practice and whatnot. So um, it's definitely nice that it uh, translated out in a game. Is that the response the team wanted after the 6-2 loss in Edmonton in the same team? Yeah, of course. Any any win after a loss is, is expected, and and uh, good teams do that. Getting to the end of the preseason, how good does it feel to get that 30-save shutout? It feels really nice, especially after just getting a couple half games and then the one full. Um, it's nice to go in there and uh, for the first couple times 
Uh, in a full game scenario, it, it felt nice to, to be able to stay focused throughout. As Connor about the the ovation you guys get, it's not even in Edmonton, but it basically is a home game. How nice is that as well? That is nice. Uh, to have a couple provinces that considers us their home team, um, it's definitely a nice feeling. It's a lot of support for us. It's comfort level for players in general, goalies especially, in, in terms of being able to settle in and do your thing? I feel like that's, I mean, such a big part of it. Um, if you're out there and you're not confident, you're not comfortable, um, you're not going to show your best. Uh, so once you get comfortable, it's your, your true potential comes out, and I feel like I'm, I'm t hitting, uh, hitting my stride. In that respect, I would guess? Yeah, of course. Any win, any good performance uh, just adds to the muscle memory of a positive one. You must have a sense of what is expected and needed of you this season in, in getting Cam some rest and establishing yourself as, as a goalie. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't like to think too far ahead and, uh, and think, you know, how many games and, and numbers and all that, but um, whatever my responsibility ends up being, um, I will just be ready for whatever games I'm, I'm provided. 30 saves tonight, 20, most of them in the second period. But I thought some of the deflection saves you made in the first period kind of set the tone for you. Would that be correct? Yeah, absolutely. It saves like that, the, the tougher ones where uh, you really feel like you're on, um, and it just gives you that much more confidence throughout the game. All right, Laurent Brassois, good tonight. A 30-save shutout. Edmonton 4, Carolina nothing. The game played in Saskatoon. Obviously, some uh, thanks to EdmontonOilers.com for that audio, but clearly some Saskatoon reporters there. And you heard Colin Priestner, the uh, managing partner and general manager of the Saskatoon Blades, his estimate uh, that the Oilers are the number one NHL team in that community. I'm sure they've become more popular over the last couple of years with the addition of McDavid, but uh, he, he, he figured that the Oilers fans would outnumber Flames fans about 5-1 to one in Saskatoon. Well, I, I think that the Oilers are on the rise, and you got Connor and Leon and a bunch of young stars just emerging that uh, people want to follow that. And if you don't have a team in your own province, you're looking for someone exciting to watch, someone that's going to win, and the Oilers look like that they are the team that's going to do that. The actual number one team in the province had board advertising there. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, if you were watching online and, and uh, noticed the logo, I heard they're relatively popular there. I've, I've heard that whenever they come to town to play the Eskimos, there seems to be a lot of Saskatchewan people that come out of the woodwork. You can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. All right, this texture says, of course, preseason games are not the same as regular season, but Yamamoto exemplifies the effort the junior players apply as opposed to NHL players who have a guaranteed contract and simply go through the motions until either playoffs or contract renewal are approaching. What's the point of demoting him if he is meeting requirements and likely not to grow a whole lot in size? Well, I think we know the answer to the rhetorical question, I guess that would be. Well, I mean, but, you and I both say that we would have him here in the starting lineup on next Wednesday against the Calgary Flames. All right, 10-24, let's take a quick timeout. You're still going to hear from head coach Todd McClellan. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Final score in Saskatoon, Oilers 4, Hurricanes nothing. Two goals by McDavid. Brassois gets a shutout. You can text 630-630. Gary in Saskatoon texting in. He goes, what were the attendance numbers? 10,300. Rob, thanks for remembering because I forgot to write it down when they flash it up. Gary also says Saskatoon should have an NHL team. Well, it doesn't help when you only have 10,300 people coming to a game between the Oilers with the best player in the world and Carolina. Lovely city. 
Mm-hmm. I'd love more Canadian teams. I really would. It'd be awesome. Put one in Quebec, put one in Saskatchewan, another one in Ontario. But you're you're not going to get one in Saskatoon. Gary also says uh, TSN Hockey Central have the Oilers and the Leafs as the top two Canadian teams in the standings this season. Agree or not? Well, it uh, won't be Vancouver. Nope. I don't, I, I don't think Montreal is going to be as strong this year. Um, Winnipeg, I think, will be better. I think they're going to have challenge for a playoff spot. I think the Calgary Flames are going to be good. I think Toronto's got a good hockey club. I, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to say the top two point getters are going to be Edmonton, Calgary, and Ottawa. Don't forget, took the Stanley Cup champions to double overtime in Game Seven. Absolutely. I mean, so you can't. But I think they're going to. It all depends on how long Carlson is out at the beginning that's of the gonna, season. That's going to hurt yes. them. It, it might. They'll get better as the season while. goes on. Once Carlson comes back, yeah. he he's all world, but he they will hurt be hurting without him in the lineup. But yeah, I mean regular season standings. I got Calgary and Edmonton as the top two Canadian ones. All right. You can text six thirty six thirty. The phone number seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Yeah, there is kind of that little extra side competition, isn't there, for the best Canadian team? I mean, Ottawa, like in, informally, obviously, but fans always want to say, "Well, we're the best Canadian team." There's that extra vibe. Uh, Montreal and Edmonton were the top two last year. Exact same record. Canadians were placed higher on the tiebreaker of regulation and overtime wins. Well, the Canadians had some silly start to the season too, weren't they? Weren't they like fourteen and one or something like that at the beginning? They, they got off to a great start, I thought, last year. Forty-seven, twenty-six, and nine—the record for both teams. The third best team was Ottawa. Yeah, I, I like Ottawa as a team. They're fun to watch. I, mean, I could sit and watch Carlson play. I mean, every night of the year, he is so exciting to watch, uh, and I hope they do. I hope all the Canadian teams make the playoffs. It, it's fun. I think it might be tough because I think Vancouver's well, going to have a Vancouver's real struggle this year. year. Yeah. Well, I mean, last year, uh, Vancouver and Winnipeg were the only ones that didn't get in, right? I think Winnipeg's going to be better this year. I do. Uh, they're, they're another team I enjoy watching play. Yeah, they just need to get some goaltending, and they hope they fix that by getting Mason. I'm not sure he's the answer, but it should be better than what they've had. All right. You can text 630-630. The Oilers win 4 nothing. Uh, Cassian had the goal right at the start of the game. Lucic finished a nice power play, passing play. McDavid across to Dreisaitl, back across to Lucic. He actually, the pass was actually in his feet, but he had the wide open net to tap it in. And then McDavid gets two in the third. You will hear from head coach Todd Collin when we get back. From the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Overtime Open Line. From the this Osmond is Auctions the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. Thanks for tuning in tonight, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. The Oilers are 6-1 in the preseason. They beat Carolina 4-0 tonight. The game played in Saskatoon. You can text 630-630. This texture says, I'm wondering what you expect from Adam Larson this season. I haven't been able to hear much of him so far. How has he been? Uh, If you don't hear much of Adam Larson, it means he's he's doing his job. He's not going to have a whole lot of offensive flair, but he's a shutdown defenseman, and... He's he's the best shutdown defenseman that the Oilers have, and I expect him to be uh, as good as he was last year. I think he's going to be even more comfortable here than he was last year, and I expect him to have a good season. 
Kevin from Stoney says Winnipeg will be hard-pressed to make the postseason. Is Winnipeg better than the Wild Hawks, Stars, or Preds? The Oilers and Flames are on the rise at the right time as the rest of the Pacific has peaked and is on the decline. That is Kevin from Stoney. Well, yeah, we were talking about that the other night. The Central still should be good. Uh, But, you know, it's so... And, Kevin, I'm not... I'm not saying this to be argumentative, but that that's the thing about this time of year. Six months from now, there's always going to be those two or three teams where you say they looked so good at the end of uh, 16, 17, and then in, in 17, 18, it just all all went south, right? That I, I mean, Nashville was a sexy pick a year ago to maybe win the Western Conference. And then through the regular season, it looked like, oh, they're not going to be, be very good. And then they, they did make the Stanley Cup final. And I think a lot of publications had a Nashville Tampa Bay final. And mm-hmm. Tampa Bay didn't make the they didn't make the playoffs last year. No, no, they didn't. I, I I think every year there's two teams that nobody thought would be there that have these huge years. And there's two teams that everyone had penciled in as these are automatics that don't. I think a lot of it also will come down to injuries. I think that in the Western Conference, there the the teams are so close that if if one of them loses a star player for any extended period of time, that that'll drop them out of the race. So I I, I think if healthy, I believe both the Flames and Oilers will make the playoffs, and pro- I would believe the Oilers will have a home date in the first round. But injuries are, are so huge, and the the margin of error is so thin between first and eighth, and eighth and ninth, and eighth and tenth that. Uh, you've got to stay healthy, relatively healthy, if you want to be a playoff team. All right, you can text 630-630. Here's a simple question. What do you have to say about Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Well, he didn't play tonight. (laughs) So so it's easy. I mean, I think think he's been fine. I mean, you know, he had three assists in the game against uh, Winnipeg. He has, I I do think him and Jokinen might be pretty good together. I agree. I I think, and, and I said it to you the other night after the game, Jokinen is a guy that you want to play with. Because he just is a smart, sound player. He's good in his own end. He makes smart plays in the offensive end. He's very dependable. And I think that he and Nugent Hopkins have looked good together. And it's just a matter of which right winger they're going to put with them. And I think the Strom has looked most comfortable with Nugent Hopkins and Jokinen. All right, 10-36, Oilers win at 4-0. Back to Saskatoon. Here's their head coach, Todd. Find any clarity uh, today in in terms of the decision-making process? Well, you always learn something every time you play, and um, you know we're going to sit down as a group and and look at the back end. Obviously, we're solidified in the goaltending position. We'll look at that six, seven, uh, and even take it to eight roster spots on the on the blue line. Figure out who we want there, and then up front, I think there's some guys that are uh, are making it clear that they're they're uh, ready to play. And now it's a battle for ice time within the team. Um, who's going to play with who? Um, penalty kill power play. I thought our penalty kill was a lot better tonight than it was the other night. So, uh, still competition, and uh, by no means is camp over. What did you think of Jesse's game? Jesse Pugliarvi? Uh I thought he played better tonight than he did back in in Edmonton, which is a real good sign for for him and for us. Uh, he was dangerous. He created plays for not only himself but for his teammates, and um, those are all positive signs moving forward. You say you like the penalty kill, <coughs> how much more did you like from what you saw tonight as opposed to what we saw on Monday night? Well, I, I, I just like the penalty kill better. Like it, it was flat out better. Um, we didn't need to do it seven times tonight, though, which was nice. Um, 
we were a little better with our sticks. We used our legs more. We skated more. We were a little more involved in the game. Um, they're a good opponent, and they uh, they make you work for every inch on the ice. And um, five on three, we killed that off. I thought uh, LB had a big part in that as well. So uh, the overall unit, the way we rolled guys out, I, I was pleased with it. Is he providing you that comfort level in, in net that you were hoping that he was going to do? He is to this point. Um, you know, other than a couple minutes early in Winnipeg when that game started, uh, he's been pretty darn good, and uh, we need that from him so that Cam can get his uh, his rest when he needs it. And uh, probably going to call on him a little bit more this year. Coach, does the reception that Connor McDavid gets everywhere you go ever surprise you? No, it doesn't. He's uh, you know he's earned that that right. The people respect him for the player that he is and the performance that he puts on night in and night out. So. Um, it would have been easy for him to uh, go through the motions and take the night off, but that's not the type of player he is. Every time he puts the gear on, he wants to lead his team. He wants to uh, to get better as a player. And he's a good example for uh, for all of our players, and I'm sure for a lot of the young players that are in the building here tonight in Saskatoon. He uh, he shows up every day to get better. Your post-practice scrum yesterday was a lot about Kyler Yamamoto and his ability to make this hockey team. How did you feel he did tonight? Did he help himself? Did he hurt himself? It looked like he was okay, but not spectacular. No, I, I didn't think he was as um, as spectacular, maybe, if, if that's the word we're going to use, as he was some other nights. And I thought that had to do with a little bit of playing with Connor. He was deferring to him an awful lot. So every time he got the puck, he was looking to get it to Connor. And you know what? You're a pretty talented, skilled young man yourself. Connor will be fine without it for a while. So uh, do your thing. And um, But he, he's been a tremendous... Uh, Tremendous fine for a training camp and uh, and uh, probably deserves the right to continue on. Showing the, the kind of hunger you would like to see from a young guy who just inked the big contract. He's like, yeah, and I I never uh, I never once even sat down in the evening and said, geez, you know what, Nilian's going to take his foot off the gas pedal. That that's not how he's wired. He's he's a very proud proud guy, and in fact, I think he'll carry it sometimes too heavy. Uh, if it's not going well, I think it'll wear on him a little bit, and we'll have to help him through those moments. But uh, he showed up, and he's played hard. Uh, we challenged him a little bit one night. He got a little sloppy defensively, uh, and he's responded well since then. All right, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Oilers winning 4 nothing over Carolina in Saskatoon tonight. Thought it was a pretty good game for Dreisaitl, like he was saying. He was asked about Yamamoto, who and McClellan said, you know, still good, but maybe a little too deferential to Connor McDavid tonight and that's an interesting point and and Todd has made that general point about other players in the past whether it's often about Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins who are other two centers where he's said don't you you can still do your thing you know you you can maybe you're going to be the best player in the game tonight you you might not be the best player on the team overall but maybe tonight it's your game to go out there and shine so don't don't try to pass the puck to McDavid to a fault. Don't give up the puck if you have a play to make yourself. And, you know, Rob, maybe that sounds obvious, but players clearly need to be reminded of that, especially on this team. Well, it it sounds obvious, but it's not. And when you get on the ice and you're playing with the best player in the world and every time you get the puck, the first thing you're looking, where is he? And the other, the other thing that's tough playing with, with McDavid in that respect is he's so fast that you feel that if you don't get him the puck at the right moment, he's lost. you've lost the opportunity because now he's gone flying by you, or now it might be offside, or now he, he's gotten to the point where there's no passing anymore. anymore. So 
anybody that's ever played with a great player. And you, er, and I, and I, and I have been fortunate enough to do that. Right at the beginning, you always are. You always look too much. You do because you want to stay there, and to stay there, you got to make that guy happy. And to make that guy happy is you get him the puck. Now, as you gain confidence playing there and start understanding your role there, you say, okay, you know what? If I make this move first, that's going to actually give Connor or Mario or Wayne or whoever that's going to give them the better opportunity to make the play. So you start, once you gain confidence, and all it is is confidence, and Yamamoto, when he gets confidence playing with a great player, because when he's playing with someone else, he's like, he's thinking, okay, I can make I'm this play. Guy, yeah. I can do this. When you're playing with Connor McDavid, you're thinking, I want to play with him, so I want him to have the puck, then he can make me look better. But it, he looked fine, and, and as, he, as the game went on, he looked more comfortable. But it, it's, a, it, it's a, a fault of any young player Actually, any player yeah, that goes and plays with a star. Because I'm sure you're not trusting yourself. Because you, no. you're probably always assuming, well, Connor must have a better play than I have. No, yeah. Right, so. And I want him to have the puck. And I mean, and, and you're always told. And, and I tell my kids, when, when you're going on, a, on a, an odd man break, get the puck into the hands of the better player. Because he's going to make the better play. But sometimes you force it. And if you can't open. force it. If he's, yes, you look. Yeah, right. If he's open. Yeah, if it's a three-on-one. Well, you know what? When I, when I was with Mary, Mary would have would four guys. Up, down the yeah, ice, he yeah. was taller than anyone. It's like a jump ball. Just throw it up high. <laughs> make him jump for it. All right. So the Oilers win it uh, 4 nothing. They'll be back at practice uh, next couple days here in Edmonton. The game is in Vancouver on Saturday. So uh, we'll see about about that lineup. It'll be interesting to see how it, how it looks. I mean, I would expect Yamamoto and Puliyarvi to to play again. I, mean, I, I guess there could be a decision about Malone or Kelly between now and then. I, I, I don't think there's any decision about Malone. Malone will be in the minors. Oh, for sure. sure. Yeah, that's yes. what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, I think Malone, I, 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 would, I would think that Malone will be sent down before Saturday starts because he's not going to play in that game. He's not starting up he'd here. He'd probably play Kara, Latestu, and Cassian together. Yes, I think they would give that. That's going to be the opening night line, so I think they would play that. And then you got to decide if, if Kelly's good enough and shown enough to deserve a contract, because if he gets a contract, he's taking a spot away from probably one of the young players. So is is, is Kajula temporarily a scratch here? Because is is the third line going to be Nuge centering Jokinen and Strom? Um, uh, yeah, in my to me the the two guys that are yeah I, I would have him I would have him out in the first game the way that it's gone thus far. So you'd keep Packer in and, and Kajula around as thirteen and fourteen. Yeah, and Kajula's going to get in very quickly. And it's either Ovitu or Fain will be the seven. Yeah, I would. I think I, my guess is going to be Ovitu. Just my guess because I mean Fain was about twelfth on the depth chart last year. Right. I mean, they went through a lot of different guys before Mark Fain came up. And they up. signed Ovitu in the summer. And, and he's a one way. Yeah. So yeah. So I. I to me, that's the way the lineup's going to start. Now, a lot can change. There's still one more game, and injuries still always can come into play. All right. Rob, great work tonight, buddy. I'll see you Saturday night. Sounds good. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. Get more, including audio highlights, on 630chet.com. Go to the Oilers page. That broadcast in Vancouver on Saturday, 6.30 for the face-off show. The game will start at 8. At the same time, on Kissing Country 103.9, we'll have Eskimos and Blue Bombers. Big Saturday night here on our chorus stations in Edmonton. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. Oilers win. 4-zip.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.